Tap in the Keg Daily is live for Wednesday. It is February 14th. Happy Valentine's to you. If you do not have a Valentine, you can be my Valentine. I am very thankful for all the love that you've given me and the support. So you are my Valentine. So if you don't have one, I am yours. There you go. Uh, we're going to talk about Marquette and why they are built for their March moment after their win against Butler. We'll give some grades out. We're also going to talk about the hangover that San Francisco is likely going to have after the Super Bowl and how that helps Packers. Uh, we we're going to talk about it yesterday. We moved it to today, and then we will also discuss the Milwaukee Bucks losing the Miami Heat. I said on yesterday's show, I was like, hey, they could lose the Miami Heat, but I think this is still important. So still go and listen to that podcast. Like, even if you didn't listen to it, go back and listen. I know they lost today, but we'll do a tap list and then we will ride out of here. Before we get going, social media, tapping the keg on X slash Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. Um, I know I've it's been a weird day, week on X and Twitter. Yeah, people get their accounts nuked. Uh, RIP my guy Shafty, he's back, but man, that sucks. Um, and then you also have, um, I've had a bunch of followers. So if you're new to the program, you're joining us for the first time, we do this four days a week. Uh, we have a podcast once a week, my guy Mitch, where we go over sort of the evergreen topics of the week. That will happen on Friday's show. Um, and then actually, I'm gonna be out for two weeks. So here's the plan. If I do not have a, if I don't have the ability to get, basically get you new content, I will try to find some old content and I will kind of try to piece some things together. Um, I'm thinking we can kind of do some Packer recap stuff you know, maybe sort of the history of the Packers, talk about the, you know, high points, the low points of the season, kind of piece that all together, maybe a little bit of a patrol retrospect of the season, um, and just try to kind of borrow from different topics. You know, maybe when Council left, sort of just best of stuff if I need to. Um, I'd like to kind of come up with some original content for you guys, but if I don't have the time, um, I, you know, I still want to give you something right? I still want to give you something to listen to. Any ideas are welcomed, um, either for original content or stuff that, you know, we splice together. Um, I really should pull out the Carl Brooks call that Murph and I had. Um, I feel like that's one that we certainly could run back uh, for this year and talk about that. But yeah, that will be plan on paper while I'm out for two weeks. And then I will be back on Monday the 4th. There will be a podcast though for Monday. Uh, it'll have probably drop on Sunday actually or Saturday night and it'll be me recapping Marquette UConn. And it'll really just be Marquette UConn. I don't even think I'll talk about All-Star Weekend. I will just be talking about Marquette UConn probably for anywhere 20 to 40 minutes. And that will be kind of the last you'll hear from me of in the moment stuff. And then the next in the moment pod will be Monday the 4th and we'll recap everything I missed, uh, including Marquette Creighton, which I will be present for. Um, but yeah, it should be, uh, should be a, a fun two weeks. Um, hopefully not too much craziness happens without me. And I hopefully will have some stuff for you guys. All right, let's talk about the Marquette Golden Eagles and let's talk about how they are built for the month of March. The Marquette Golden Eagles face the Butler Bulldogs uh, tonight at Henkel Fieldhouse. I'm taping this Tuesday night. And it was a game that I don't think anybody expected 
Marquette to win. Yeah, they were a three and a half point favorite, but it had all the makings of a loss. And a loss that, frankly, would have been okay, right? Marquette had won seven straight games. Um, Marquette has been playing really well. Uh, UConn on deck. Nobody really would have batted an eyelash. But that didn't happen. That didn't occur. Marquette grinded out a victory where the deck was completely stacked against them. And not only did they grind out a victory, they won that fucking game. They did not sort of play with their food. They did not, you know, pull it from the depths of hell. They were in control of that basketball game in the second half. They had a 12-point lead at one point in the second half. And it's if it's not for a Gen Z broccoli cut freshman, the broccoli haircut freshman, they would have won this game going away. That is incredibly impressive for a team where the DAC was completely stacked against them in this basketball game. Number one, it was a trap game. It was a trap game in all sense of the world. You've seen this time and again, right? Uh, North Carolina against Georgia Tech. They lose to Georgia Tech on the road. Now, Georgia Tech isn't even as good as Butler, but the, the fact is, is that trap games happen all the time where teams get caught looking ahead. Wisconsin against Nebraska, right? Where before their showdown against Purdue. Like trap games are part of college sports because college kids just can't help themselves. Like it is very hard for college kids to stay focused on the task at hand and not look at the bright, shiny ball and the bright lights of that major game on that upcoming weekend or that upcoming week. So trap games happen all the time. Marquette did not necessarily fall in that trap. Number two, it was a team that desperately needed a victory to return to March. Now, Butler is probably safe in the tournament right now, but Butler having just the run they did under Brad Stevens and making sort of their imprint on college basketball for a five-year stretch, really, they've had a fall from grace since those times. They haven't been back to the tournament since 2018. That's a six-month layoff. They are yearning for a, a NCAA tournament bid, and they look like they're going to get one. And Thad Mata has done an excellent job, and you can make a case for Thad Mata for Big East Coach of the Year. Uh, but... So this game mattered so much more to Butler in terms of the macro grand scheme of things. And then lastly, the officials were absolutely fucking terrible. And I don't know what Thad Mata did to work those officials. I don't know if those officials wanted to guarantee that the Big East had more teams in the tournament, but they were absolutely pathetic. And Matt Potter is a new Big East official that I fear. You can add him to the list of Jeff Anderson, James Breeding, Brian O'Connell, Pat Driscoll, all of those guys are in the Jim Burrow Hall of Fame of guys I do not want to see ref Marquette games. Matt Potter was absolutely abysmal in this basketball game. Yet, all of that coupled together, you'd assume Marquette would have lost this game. They didn't. They did not lose this game. And they won. Why? Because Tyler Kolick and Oso Iguodara did the damn thing and are one of the best combination of senior-led players that are in college basketball right now. 
And they also got contributions from Ben Gold and Cam Jones and Stevie Mitchell that helped drown out the noise of everything heading into this game. Marquette came in with blinders like they're a thoroughbred horse and absolutely dominated the field. That is hard to do for a college team. That is something that not a lot of college teams are able to do for the things that we mentioned just a second ago. Marquette was able to take control of this basketball game in the second half and have their way with the Butler Bulldogs, a team that had beat them before. I think it's fair if you want to be a hater and maybe you're not a Marquette fan or you're not fully bought in, you're casual and you're just like, you're kind of, you're waiting your toe whether you want to jump on the Marquette bandwagon. You say, well, Charlie, they were looking for revenge because Butler beat him earlier this season. Yes, that's true. But I think all the things I mentioned minus the referees mattered more. I think the fact that Butler needed to get into a tournament, the fact that it was a trap game, I think mattered more than when they lost to Butler, which was the last time they lost a basketball game. And when things were really looking off the rails for this Marquette season, where it was like, I hope Marquette's going to be a top six seed. And then they calmed the storm. They had the infamous Chick-fil-A lunch kind of airing of grievances, if you will, and held on for dear life to beat St. John's in a game where maybe they should have lost. Again, an example where it wasn't necessarily business as usual for the Golden Eagles, but they got that one. And once they got that monkey off the back, it was all systems go on both home and away. And now you look at Marquette and they have the look of a team that can make a deep run in the month of March. And I know I said this last year. I know I had this exact same conversation with you guys last year. I don't know around the time. You'd have to go look it up. But I feel even better than I did last year. Because A, they are going to have a chip on their shoulder heading into the NCAA tournament. I think that they will care less about the Big East tournament. I can mark, we can mark that right now. I'm not saying that they're gonna lose in the first round, but I don't think the Big East tournament will matter as much, even though I think they would like to beat you. It'll also maybe be dependent on how they do against UConn, right? If they lose twice to UConn, maybe they'll want that third shot against UConn to see if they can beat them. But if they've said they've split against the Huskies and they've already had that under their belt, then I don't think the Big East tournament will matter to them as much. Unless, I guess the other qualifier, there are some, there are a lot of yeah buts, I guess, because the UConn one's a yeah but, the yeah but of going for a number one seed, I think is another yeah but, because if they're going for a number one seed, you probably want to at least get to the championship game. I don't know if you need to win the whole thing, but you need to at least get into the championship game and make your, make your case and state your case that you belong as a number one seed. So those are the ways where the Big East tournament will matter, but the actual NCAA tournament matters so much more because of the early exit that Marquette had, the fact that Tyler Kolick was not healthy, the fact that Marquette ran into a team like Michigan State that is really their kryptonite and that has been an issue for them when they face Big Ten teams they are going to need to figure that out. I do not want to see a Big Ten team. I, I guess I would rather, I, we talked about not wanting to see Kentucky. I think I'd rather see Kentucky just given the style of basketball that they play over 
uh, any Big Ten team, really. And I just look at it and know that Marquette's going to want to make it to not only the second weekend, but potentially the third weekend. And the more I watch them, the more that I believe. You take these last two games, and really even if you go back to the Villanova game on the road, again, another situation. Villanova desperate for a victory. They've lost four straight games. They are teetering off the bubble. They look in real trouble. And this is the moment where Kyle Neptune can kind of turn around the season and galvanize the troops. And Marquette wins that basketball game. So I look at those games all together and say, this is a team that can win in March. Yes, they do not necessarily have the size, but with the emergence of Ben Gold, that is going to help things. But they have the best point guard in the nation, and it's not even close. Tyler Kolick is playing absolutely out of his fucking gourd right now. And because Tyler can put this team on his back and hit big shot after big shot, that is so important in March. There are so many stories of March Madness of the point guard being the reason why a team has won or lost. And I know that they have one of the best. And Kolik is starting to even figure it out against teams that are physical with him. Pasha Alexander was riding him like a porn star out there and Kolik started to foul bait. Now, do I hate foul baiting as a practice? Yes, I think it ruins basketball. But did Kolik have to do that so the refs would call stuff? He did. He, it was left with no choice. Now, usually the last couple times when Tyler has faced physical guards, like you see in Seton Hall, um, you saw the first meeting with Alexander and Butler, he sort of embraces the contact because he's a, he's a hockey football guy. Like He wants the contact. He likes the contact. But really, he needs to sell the content contact to sort of look at it and say, okay, like these guys are all over me. The refs need to call it to kind of give you some breathing space. And Kolik did just that in this game. So the, he's continuing to learn and he's continuing to craft his game. And the same goes for Iguodara and the development of David Joplin this season and development of Stevie Mitchell this season and gold for that matter. Like all of those things are culminating into a real legitimate conversation about a March run. And I don't think it's out of the question at all. I think this team can easily find their way to the Sweet 16. I think this team can get to an Elite Eight. I think this team can get to a Final Four. I think this team can get to the championship and I think that they can win it. I understand that Purdue and UConn are better than any other basketball team right now in college. But Marquette was within a Lance Jones 70-foot heave from being tied with Purdue and heading to overtime against Purdue. They play UConn twice. They will know exactly where they need to level up for the UConn Huskies. And remember, they were the last team in the national championship season to beat that UConn Huskies team. Shaka Smart has had, and Nevada Smith and everybody on that Marquette coaching staff has had some really good game plans against UConn, whether it was the Big East Tournament or the game in the Fiserv Forum. Now, they did they got blown the doors off in Hartford last year. They have to be sure that that doesn't happen again. And we'll talk in great detail about that game. 
But if Marquette comes out there and flexes their muscles, they don't even need to win. But if they basically keep this game within five, then all of a sudden you have to take Marquette as seriously as anybody else in this league. And I think that the Golden Eagles are showing themselves. I don't think that this is biased. I'm sure I'm excited. I'm sure that I'm sort of living in the moment. But I'm telling you, these are the type of teams that go far in March. And yes, there is a lot of pressure on Shaka Smart. There is pressure on Tyler Kolick. There is probably not as much pressure on Oso Yadara, but there is pressure on Oso Yadara. And so they have to produce an outcome in this March. And if they don't get to that second round, it's really hard not to say it's a failure. It's really hard to say what a missed opportunity and that every Marquette fan will be wondering what if because this seems like the best chance that Marquette ever has had to be a national champion and at very least have a Final Four team. So the sky is the limit for this team. And yes, UConn is going to be as big of a challenge as Marquette has had all season. But as we saw on Tuesday night, they run into the fire. They don't run from it. All right, let's do our Marquette grades for their game against Butler. We grade out after most Marquette games, kind of going A to F. You might be like, Charlie, isn't this kind of like Golden Kegs? Yeah, it might be. Um, if you're smart and if you're savvy. If you don't know what Golden Kegs are, you you gotta you, you know, you can't afford it. Uh, anyways, just kidding. Uh, a to Tyler Kolick. Uh, we just talked about him, but... He is what the kids used to call a BAMF. Remember when you used the the acronym BAMF, badass motherfucker? That's Tyler Kolick. That is Tyler Kolick in a nutshell. That guy should wear BAMF across his chest. He is so good. 27 points, seven assists, five rebounds. Uh, He was the catalyst of the second half. He made a ton of big buckets. He had a clutch three-pointer when it was 69-66. The game was starting to maybe push a little bit in Butler's direction. Kolick gets open for a three and nails it. He nailed a floater late when I felt like Marquette needed to call a timeout. It was under four minutes. They didn't call a timeout. They stuck with their plays. Kolick hits a major floater. Whatever issues this guy had with road games, when he struggled at Seton Hall, when he struggled a little bit, against St. John's, that shit is sailed. That shit has gone, Providence was another way shot. That has sailed. So it's really encouraging to watch what Tyler Kolick is doing. And if you're not a Marquette fan and you're just getting into college basketball, I invite you on this bandwagon. A to Ben Gold as well. This was the best Ben Gold has played in his Marquette career. Uh, ben Gold has usually struggled against good teams. That has been the bugaboo of Ben Gold, where the Paul Georgetown makes it rain, looks great. But when he faces good teams, he kind of shrinks. He didn't shrink in this game. Ben Gold had nine points. He also added four rebounds. He had an assist um, and he had an offensive rating of 139, which was the highest offensive rating of anybody on the Marquette roster. Now he only played 16 minutes, but that those 16 minutes were very important. Ben Gold was everywhere. He did stuff that wasn't on the box score with some of his defense. This was a huge sort of leap for Ben Gold. Now, 
I'm trying not to get too excited. I'm not trying to Zay Lowry myself because remember, after the St. John's game, I was all in on Zay Lowry. I am in on, on Ben Gold. I think Ben Gold next year could have a really successful season, but I don't want to get too ahead of myself. I think this is a positive sign when you're facing the size of UConn on Saturday. I think that is such a good test to see if this is real or if this is a mirage, but solid stuff for Ben Gold and he continues to progress. Another A goes to Osoyedara, the other big man, the twin towers, if you will, of the Marquette Golden Eagles. Oso had 17 points, he had 10 rebounds, he had four assists in this game. Uh, Oso, I just felt like, was all over the place. I felt like he had big bucket opportunities. I thought he was looking for alley-oops. I thought the way he screened, some of his assists were beautiful. Like, Oso Yadar, man, is just such a joy to watch. Like, I love watching Tyler Kolek, obviously, but I also love Oso Yadara. And I think just both of those guys playing together is really beautiful music. And Oso, you know, made that happen in this game. And there were multiple opportunities where Tyler freed up Oso for an easy bucket. And that that's a little different wrinkle than what you've seen from Marquette. Basically what happens is Tyler Kolick runs a, almost like a screen, a football screen, not necessarily a basketball screen, but runs like a football screen, has his guy run into Oso's guy and basically create an open lane for Oso to dunk the basketball. Now, could you say this is a moving screen? Maybe. Do I care? No. Uh, Oso Gudara was really good in this game and a solid bounce back after I felt like a, not necessarily a tough game, but a game where the offense wasn't there because he had to do so much defensively. Uh, another A to the turnovers on Butler. Don't take that for granted. They had 14 turnovers on Butler. Butler's turnover percentage is 14%. It's one of the best in college basketball. And the two games that Marquette has played against Butler, I think they forced 32 turnovers. That's really good. That again, and we, we didn't talk about that in the open, but the, the, the ability to turn teams over is so huge in March because all you need is that one team that has turnover problems and you're gonna have a field day. And they're not gonna be able to scout for it. They're not gonna be able to prepare for it. And they're going to just basically, you know, force force turnovers out, out of your ass and it's over before you know it. And they've won by 25. So I just love what I've seen from Marquette in terms of just the different defenses, you know, the press, the sort of more of the blitz, the man zone, like they're doing it all. They're throwing so many looks. I do wonder if the amount of looks they showed tonight was a little bit to throw UConn off the scent. So UConn didn't exactly know what defense they were really running. And who knows, maybe that's just a dumb theory on my behalf, but we'll have to see. Or right, well, move to B. Uh, to Stevie Mitchell. Stevie Mitchell had four steals in this game. Uh, he had a bunch more deflections. Uh, he had six points, uh, three rebounds. He had another game where he was just always there at the right time. He had a big steal where Marquette, I believe, had turned the ball over and all of a sudden Stevie intercepts it. Marquette's able to sort of reset, or I, I can't remember what it, what it was, but it was late in that game and basically, I think it might have actually been Butler got all of a sudden a sec second chance opportunity and then Stevie completely shut it down with one of his four steals. 
He's he's great, man. We've talked at great length about you know where Stevie Mitchell sort of ranks in terms of the hierarchy of the Marquette program right now, and I think he's a little higher than maybe even people think. I, the guy just plays with such a relentless attitude. And he's just really hard to deal with, you know, night in, night out. And a guy that's probably going to make your life living hell in a tournament setting. Uh, C to Chase Ross. I thought Chase Ross brought a lot of great energy in this game. I uh, didn't necessarily show it on the stat sheet. He, but then my frustration with him is he was not good defensively against uh, Finley Be- uh, Bezjerk or whatever, who I'll talk about here in a second. Uh, his defense late was bad. I don't know if that was him tiring out, if that was him just you know overplaying the three-pointer. Uh, but yeah, it was not pretty uh, for Chase Ross. Uh, also see to Cam Jones. Uh, you know, look, Cam was in foul trouble, uh, but he hit the big three, um, which was massive. I mean, 66-64 at that time. Cam Jones kind of rushes a three. I hated the shot watching it on the PSF live stream, and it banks in. Uh, for Marquette to take a five-point advantage at that point. Uh, but, like, man, it, it was it was a rough day for Cam Jones with him in and out of foul trouble, uh, 11 points overall. Uh, you just hope that at some point can he find it against a good team, right? We saw it against Georgetown. We haven't necessarily seen it now against two good teams. So hopefully he'll get there. David Joplin. Joplin started off fast. I thought maybe we'd get a big Joplin game. He had an awesome dunk by David Joplin, but he kind of disappeared in the second half. That is very on-brand uh, for David Joplin. It's not necessarily on-brand recently, but it has been in the past, and that's a little unfair by me. And we just don't want to see a comeback, right? Like, you know, it's just, so we don't want to see the relapse of the David Joplin disappearance. So hopefully it's just one game, right? You know, was working on defense, very physical game. And you get sort of that David Joplin back. You need David Joplin's production. Like you need him around more like eight to 14 points a game versus six, right? Six is a little too too light. You need to have him closer to that kind of eight to 14 range if you if you want to be like successful offensively. Not to say Marquette wasn't yesterday, but you, you get kind of my drift, right? Uh, also, uh, this moving to D's, um, the only D I have is the three-point no-show. Marquette only shot 12 threes. They're a three-point shooting team. They shoot a ton of threes. I think they probably shoot too many. So you could say, like, well, Charlie, why is that a D? Like, shouldn't you be encouraging that? I, I, so it's such a hard balance, right? Like, I, I think you don't want to be over the line spectrum-wise and be like, you want to shoot be shooting 33s or be like, Indiana State or Alabama where all you fucking do is shoot threes. But I also don't think you want to be Indiana where you nothing. You don't shoot threes. Threes are not allowed. You want to be kind of in that middle. I think I would like to see Marquette shoot more like probably like 18, right? Like I I feel like 18 to me would be sort of your average amount of three-point attempts. I'm trying to look I'm sure I can pull this from Ken Palm because I I look at three-point stats like all the time. Um, It's something that I actually dig into quite a bit here. So three-point per field goal attempt. So I think that's probably your way that you'd want to look at that. Not necessarily, okay, a three-point attempt percentage because Marquette's right now at 41% and it's like 61st in the league. So 41% of the time they're shooting threes. So I'm trying to kind of find, and the middle is like 180 
is in college basketball. If you do the the math a little bit here. So that's like 37% of the time. So like St. Bonaventure's right now is is 181. Like you kind of want to be in that mix. Like I own is 37.4. If Marquette has like 37% of their shots go up be threes, I think I feel a lot better. So right now, so let's do that. Wow, we're gonna, are we gonna do some math? So let's see, Marquette was 53, had 53 inside the archetypes, had 12, so 65. So 30, so really we want Marquette shooting more like 24 threes. So they were like way down from where they where they usually are from a three point percentage. Well, even more so because it would be 41. So if we did that and we did that math, since we're doing some math here on the podcast, uh, 26. So yeah, wow, that's quite the discrepancy. They shot 14 less threes than on what they do typically on average. I don't think necessarily that's a trend. Maybe playing with Butler style, Butler doesn't allow a lot of threes. So they played to sort of what Butler wants to do, which is they want to invite you into the paint and they want you to get into that physical kind of steel cage and they did. And yeah, you could say another D would be the fact they missed a lot of layups in this game, but I'd argue that the physicality of Butler that was being allowed was fucking ridiculous by a brain-dead officiating crew who gets an F. And look, I I don't always wanna blame the officials. I don't always wanna be that guy, Uh, but I am a lot. And I think part of it is just Big East officiating is a fucking joke. I think college basketball officiating is a joke. I think they have no idea what they're doing. I think they at times want it to be very touch and go. They want to call everything. And then sometimes it's extremely physical and it's an absolute backyard brawl. And so because there's no consistency, because there's no structure, you get just this inconsistent bullshit that keeps coming up. There's a reason why Bill Self, Scott Drew, Calvin Sampson have all been rung by the Big 12 in the last 10 days because these guys are also fucking sick of it. I can't believe Shaka Smart didn't get a technical in this game. Josh, uh, who does the PSF stuff with me, who's at the game, was saying that Shaka was really trying for a tech. That Shaka was definitely trying to get a technical at one point in this basketball game. So I don't know if the refs use it as a vendetta against Shaka, but it, it just has to get better. Uh, it's bullshit. Other Fs for me in this game, Letley, letting Finley Burgett, uh, Bizjack go off, like losing to that guy would have fucking sucked. Like he is an immediate first team all villain. Like he just looks like a complete fucking asshole um, with the sort of broccoli cut haircut, more of the mop top, but you know, the broccoli cut, I feel like is more like it goes up versus going down. But yeah, fuck that kid. Um, that's, that's, all, that's all I really got to say. Uh, but I mean, he looks like a good player. So credit to him. Uh, also the first half finish. I felt like Marquette kind of limped into that first half. Uh, did not exactly like their shot selection. And I hate these little first half droughts that they seem to go through really every game. And I, I worry about that with UConn because that's the type of thing where if that if UConn pounces and shots start falling, uh, it, Marquette's going to be down 15 at halftime, and we're not going to be having fun on the PSF broadcast uh, on Saturday afternoon. All right, that does it for Marquette. Let's move to football and talk about Super Bowl hangovers. 
The Green Bay Packers will be beginning next year as one of the favorites in the NFC. There's going to be a lot of hype around the Packers. The Packers are going to be the Sydney Sweeney of NFL teams. They are going to be absolutely sexy. They are going to be the ones that people are drooling over after every picture. I'm sure everyone saw what she looked like on the Madam Web premiere. But I, I think that there is going to be a legitimacy to that. And I think part of why you could see that is because I think the San, San Francisco hangover is going to be really strong. I think San Francisco has hit their breaking point as an organization. They have to make a decision on Brandon Ayuk. They have to decide whether they need to pay Debo Samuel. Brock Purdy is going to start wanting more money. There is a lot of decisions that are gonna be needed to make for San Francisco and tough decision. And the clock has sort of seemingly run out on San Francisco and you're going to think about that kind of loss. The Jimmy G loss for San Francisco, I feel like was different because of, I think COVID changed a little bit of it. I think it's really hard to gauge that COVID season. I, honestly, I think it's it might even be impossible to really know like, all right, was there a Super Bowl hangover after that San Francisco, they they were, I think they did take a step back if I recall in that year. But I think this year, this upcoming 2024 year has a chance to be even stronger for the 49ers just because of how close they really were. This to me feels a lot similar to when the Green Bay Packers lost the Seattle Seahawks in 2014. And they took a significant step back in that following year. And that following year really sort of was different because it felt like everybody kept talking about that next year. San Francisco, by the way, was six and 10 after losing the Super Bowl in 2020. They finished with the worst record in the NFC West that year. So yes, they took a massive step back, but part of that was due to the injuries to Jimmy Garoppolo as Nick Mullins was their top passer that season. So I personally memory hold the fact that the 49ers were six and 10 and didn't even make uh, the playoffs the following year. So that year went to utter shit and they were four and six uh, heading into their bye and then they lost out and they were not very good down the stretch as the 49ers had a combination of Nick Mullins, Jimmy Garoppolo and CJ Beathard at the quarterback position throughout that entire year. Uh, one of the more memorable wins was the Green Bay Packers on a Thursday night kicking the shit out of the 49ers 34-17, which felt good even though I believe the Niners were completely banged up at that time, had COVID stuff, the whole thing. And, and But still, a win was a win. And I was not going to apologize for beating the San Francisco 49ers, which is something the Packers have weirdly got good at doing in the regular season. The postseason has been the issue uh, where they lurk. So yes, they did take a step back the following year and that helped the Green Bay Packers, you know, put themselves into the position to be the top overall seed in the NFC. I think that this is a very beneficial thing for the Packers again. I don't necessarily see them as maybe a number one seed, right? But I do think that it helps the fact they're playing San Francisco next year. I think that's a, that's a factor. I think number two, it's that they are might have less competition in the NFC if San Francisco does take that step back. 
You expect the Rams to be all right. You expect the Cowboys to be pretty good. You expect the uh, Philadelphia Eagles to kind of have a little bit of a bounce back. You expect maybe the, I, I don't know if you'll Tampa level. I'm trying to think of other teams that maybe Arizona uh, could potentially level up, right? Do the New York Giants come back to life? Um, I think Minnesota Vikings, obviously. Oh, Detroit Lions, who I didn't mention. Um, and that wasn't an accident. Just was kind of running my, through my brain. But I, I do think that this Super Bowl hangover will help the Packers. And I think that this is a real thing. I think most of the time, these teams that lose the Super Bowl tend to, it tends to affect them. Now, it didn't affect the Eagles until it did, right? The Eagles were smooth sailing. Everybody was sucking the Eagles' dick. Everybody was ready to crown the Eagles again and that the Eagles were going back to the Super Bowl. And then they faced this gauntlet schedule and they got absolutely annihilated. And when the going got tough, the Eagles showed themselves as a front-running organization and a, and a leader, Nick Sirianni, who knows how to be a front-runner but doesn't know how to be a leader of men when the time is tough. And that worked to everybody's advantage. That worked to Green Bay's advantage. That worked to, you know, Dallas's advantage. That worked to, you know, it basically was one less team that you had to worry about, right? Uh, And San Francisco's advantage for that matter. And so for this year, I think that it's really, you know, yeah, let's just say Brock Purdy does stay healthy. But was that that mean Christian McCaffrey is going to stay healthy, right? You got a full year of health under Christian McCaffrey. Are you going to get that again? Are you going to get another full healthy year out of Trent Williams? Is Debo Samuel not going to break down? Are, what about your defensive guys? Is Fred Warner going to keep playing at his level? You're not going to have Drake Greenlaw probably for the season because of an Achilles injury. Although with the way that these guys pump HGH and they don't talk about it, Drake Greenlaw is probably around back in November or December. So... I still, though, like you and you have a secondary that I think is pretty questionable. Now, maybe you you upgrade that in the draft, but like I have a lot of questions about this 49ers team. And you do wonder, like, is the window closing on them a little bit? And is the window now opening with the Packers? Is it, you know, is it still open for the Philadelphia Eagles? Where are the Dallas Cowboys, who I also think time is running out for them? It will. What about the Lions, who have an open window now? But again, as I mentioned with the Packers, are the Packers going to shut that closed? The 49ers also, to kind of wrap up why I think they are a complete fade for next season, not even knowing how it'll all pan out this offseason, is their schedule is fucking tough, as you could imagine. Again, Arizona, I think, is going to be better. Los Angeles will be a near playoff team. I think some people will get cued and pick them to the Super Bowl. I'm not that high on Seattle right out the gates, but I do think Mike McDonald has what it takes to... He was a great defensive coordinator. Can he be a good coach? Maybe Seattle, Maybe that's a new coach theory in Seattle. Who knows? Um, but then you go outside of the division. They have to play playoffs in Lambeau Field. Uh, that will be a big game. That will be a primetime game. That will be something that you know people will want eyeballs on after the great 49er Packer game that we saw you know in the playoffs. So that will you can book that as either 325 Thursday night, uh, Sunday night, or a Monday night game because that's where that's where that one's going to be. That will not be a noon start. They also go to Miami. 
They go back to Minnesota where they lost before. They do host the Bears. Who knows, right? Maybe the Bears level up. We didn't talk about them, but maybe they do. They host the Lions. Uh, Lions will certainly be looking for revenge. Patriots probably a win. Patriots probably a year away. They host Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets. You know Rodgers is going to want revenge for what happened to him against this team throughout the years. He always carries the weird chip on his shoulder. They go to Buffalo. They host Dallas. Dallas always looking. They host the Kansas City Chiefs. And then they go to Tampa Bay. The only thing that I could maybe you know say as an out is a lot of their hard games are at home. So they do have that working for them. And maybe that's how the Super Bowl hangover gets prevented. But I, I think there are a lot of red flags about the San Francisco team. And I think it's only going to help the Green Bay Packers. And as they push up the mountaintops to be one of the top teams again in the NFC. Moving on to back to basketball. I felt like we wanted to do football in the middle there because we've just talked a lot about basketball here the last two days. And the Milwaukee Bucks lose the Miami Heat. Uh, I had said to you guys on yesterday's show, I was like, well, they could lose the Heat. And uh, things could, we might think about the podcast a little bit differently. And sure enough, uh, not only did they lose to the Heat, they got their asses kicked by the Miami Heat. Uh, it was 123 to 97. It was a rough loss for the Bucks. It was the third time this season they've lost by more than 20 points. Uh, the Bucks, after allowing you know less than 100 in back-to-back games, they allow 120. I think the second time they've done that under Doc, um, it was ugly. And really, it comes down to an outlier game. And I know people hate hearing that because they're like, oh, that's a cop-out, that's an excuse. But look, when a team shoots 50% from three, it's really hard not to claim outlier. It's really hard not to scream that out because outliers, that, that doesn't happen in sports or basketball for that matter. You don't usually make half your threes. And that's what the Miami Heat did in this basketball game. And it was the death sentence for the Bucs. Uh, the Bucs got out to a slow start. The Heat took full advantage, uh, being up 40 to 28 at halftime or after the first quarter. And that's also something kind of intertwined with this outlier. Uh, let's just say it's another tap for that matter for our segment. And the, they have to start quick. Like they right now have not necessarily, besides that Portland game, where they came back from 26. I guess the Celtics game in Boston, they came back from a pretty large deficit. But they haven't done a great job in terms of coming back. And I don't know if that's just, hey, it's All-Star Week. Like, this is kind of the week before summer vacation. I saw uh, one reporter was hating on Giannis and MVP stuff, which we'll talk about with Mitch on, on Friday, I promise you. Um, it, like, I don't know if it's partly that, uh, but the Bucks had one little spurt in that third quarter where I think they got down to nine at one point. It was like, okay, are you going to be serious? And then they stopped getting anything on defense and gave up more threes. And then it was over. And it was like, all right, there you go. We don't have it. Um, they have to start fast with this team. I think, and, and like, when I say fast, I don't necessarily even mean like they need to be up by five points every first quarter, but like at least just be competitive, at least hang around don't allow teams to kind of get going on you and make that happen. And I do wonder now, like this, this Bucks team seems right now in this moment, you know, as they are still growing with Doc Rivers, they really seem to struggle when they don't necessarily have practice time. 
It'll be very interesting to watch them against Memphis, a team that is not very good, but they're going to get a day of practice out of that, right? They're going to at least do some walk-around stuff here on, on Wednesday before they fly out to Memphis, I would assume. Maybe not. And if they don't, then this whole point is null. But I think that they've shown themselves that when they get a chance to actually talk about things and it's not just play basketball, they are so much better as a team. Um, and so I think that will pay off as we see the start of the season the following week, right, against Minnesota. I think that will you'll start seeing that a little bit more. But right now, I think that that's just part of the the issue is there's like a limited knowledge of what this team needs to do against every team in the NBA just because Doc and his coaching staff have not seen it and that is one of the disadvantages I think of the Bucks sort of going forward and maybe even a worry right because it's like all right we we've already played the Pacers five times so he, if Doc's gonna get a look at him it's gonna be in the playoffs same kind of goes for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, Doc was in the building when they lost to the Cavs on that Friday, but it's different from actually being coaching on the floor versus just watching from a suite. So it'll be interesting, right? I feel like that's part of maybe a, a concern. Other things to kind of talk about from that tap list that's on tap here today for Bucks Heat, the Bucks Heat loss. Uh, Giannis getting no fouls called against him. That's just weird. I don't understand that. I don't really know how that would happen. Um, his shot chart would tell you that he had opportunities to go to the line. I just don't know why he, there was nothing called. It it's, doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. It's heat devil mag, magic, if you will. Um, another thing on tap is the ongoing Dame problem. I think fans, again, were frustrated at Damian Lillard because Damian Lillard did not have a great shooting night. Um, I guess I'm going to have to, and maybe this is a great, maybe this is an evergreen topic, is, is look at sort of what Dame does in terms of like shooting percentage. I realize that's at an all-time low this year, but I think that this guy is still adjusting. This is not easy. Damian Lillard was the man, and he was the only guy. He was the only show in town. And now he has to share that with Giannis and even share that with some of his other teammates, like Chris Middleton went healthy and Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis, who begrudgingly, right? But I think that Dame is going to figure it out. I don't know if it's going to click this year or next year. I don't agree with the sentiment that like, oh, if Dame can't play at that level, it's a waste of the season. Fuck right off. I think that, like, would you really want Drew Holiday right now? Would you really want Drew Holiday and a scoring point guard? So swap out what Pat Beverly is. Um, and you want a scoring point guard off the bench? Is that really what you want? Is that really, do you think the Bucks would be where they are right now with that? Absolutely fucking not. They would be in the kind of middle, right? They would be in the six to eight, six to nine range, maybe five. But like it would not be the same Bucks team. And I think it's a rose-colored glasses. It's like grass is always greener on the other side. And I think people thought they were promised something and they didn't necessarily receive it yet. And I think that's where the frustration is setting in with Willard. Uh, lastly, uh, I, Memphis is a must-win for me. I feel like you have to get this done. Memphis has the worst NBA net rating in the last seven days. They look extremely checked out. I would have advocated the rest of guys 
had they won tonight, but now they haven't. Now that they did not win, they need to play this game and they need to win this basketball game. It's just an important one because you can take home not only a victory against a bad team, but also make sure that you are necessarily you are set up. You know, as the All Star break happens, you're three and one in the last four. The vibes would be good and heading into a really tough schedule after the fact. And to also lose in two weeks to Portland and Memphis would be a, a tough pill to swallow when the East is as bunched up as it is. So definitely want to see the Bucs take advantage of this game in Memphis. I was obviously hoping they didn't necessarily have to play their guys, but you lose to Miami and this is, this is what happens. I also just love the fact the Heat were like, oh, they didn't get in until late. Uh, they had this, all this plane issues and yada, 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 ton of hand-wringing. And then lo and behold, the Heat just can't stop missing threes. Like maybe they should have plane problems all the fucking time. It, it, I also saw something that the Heat have made like 18 or more threes against the Bucks 18 times or something like that. And against every other team, it's only been like six. The Heat just have this weird stranglehold over the Milwaukee Bucks. Like I should be probably more scared of the Miami Heat Except I'm, I'm not. I, I still think that the Bucks would be fine. They just need to make some adjustments here or there. And these guys shot out of their ass. I don't think that you would see three guys in your starting lineup make some five threes. Like, that's just ridiculous. So, I'm all right with it. Uh, uh, I will certainly survive. All right. That does it for today's show. We will be back on Friday with Mitch. Um, stay tuned for that. And yeah, have a good Valentine's Day. Enjoy enjoy your day with your loved one. Or if you're by yourself, like I said, I'm your Valentine. So you can say, who's your Valentine? Oh, this podcaster. And you don't even have to say I'm a guy. You can just, you can lie. Say I'm a girl. That's fine. Uh, they, they might think I'm Alex Cooper. I don't know. Um, all right, guys. Before I get myself in any trouble, uh, I will uh, sign off for the night. Take care, guys. Have a good one. We'll see you, see you on Friday. Peace.